Good morning, Grace. Good news. Next Sunday, uh, we will be meeting back in the worship center as a church, as a body. And just excited about that, excited for uh, the idea that we get to come back and worship collectively. Um, do want to just remind you, uh, the leadership of the church uh, believes it's best for us to follow the recommendations set by our governor uh, that anytime you're outside of your home or inside a building, a public building, uh, that you wear a mask. And so uh, uh, they just feel it's safe and the best thing for us to do. And again, being under the authority of God, who has put us under the authority of our government, uh, we just want to follow through. Today, we're going to uh, pick back up with uh, why wait for Jesus? Why is there a, 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 an urgency for the church to be waiting for Christ's return? And, uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited uh, that I know that he has a plan. And, and these are some of the things that I've been wanting to, to share with you and to show you in Scripture that, that God has a plan. And, and we've seen that uh, as we looked at the 70 weeks in Daniel. Uh, we see those, uh, that's actually a 490 year span and that 483 of those years have actually happened. And when the church age began, it started a parenthesis on time. And there's a number of Gentiles that come in. When that number comes in, we begin that last seven-year period, that 70th week uh, that Daniel has talked about. And uh, the uh, Apostle John has been given a great revelation, great vision of that seven-year period. And there's a message here for the church, and the message is to share this with, with the world. And we're going to see that a little bit even today. So before we begin, uh, let me open us up with a word of prayer. Father, we pause this morning because only you are worthy to be praised and honored. We thank you for the great gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the life that is offered in his name. And so, Lord, today, uh, we ask you to speak to the hearts uh, as the church meets um, separate. And we thank you for the opportunity of next week of meeting together as a body. So today, Lord, to speak to us through your word, uh, challenge us, encourage us, motivate us, um, to be living in anticipation of your return. We give you all the praise and honor and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Last week we, we ended with the sixth trumpet uh, that was in Revelation 9 verse 12. And, and you know, for some of you, if you're, if you're just catching up, I just want to remind you, we, we learn by repetition... And so I just want to bring you back up to all that's taken place. Now remember, the book of Revelation means revealing, uncovering. And it's the revealing and uncovering of Jesus Christ in a way that we have never, ever seen him. Uh, and so it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting that God looked ahead enough to give us a preview, if you will. 
Uh, and again, it was a preview for uh, the early church, and, and we're 2,000 years later, and the message hasn't changed. And the idea that everything that we're talking about is really going to happen. So think about that. One day, someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and the number is fulfilled of the Gentiles to come in, and Christ removes his church from the earth, and this last seven-year period begins. And so we, we saw that um, there was a search in heaven and on earth for someone who was worthy to open a scroll. And remember, we talked about that scroll. It's a seven-sealed scroll. Uh, it's written front and back, and it's a, a title and deed to the earth. Right now, Scripture very clearly tells us that Satan is the prince of the air. God has given him that authority and given him that freedom. But there is coming a day and a time where Jesus Christ will come back and claim ownership of the and all of its inhabitants in it. And so this is the picture that God has given us here in the book of Revelation. <laughs> and so we saw that uh, when he opened the first seal. Remember, we talked about there's seven seals, all right? And in the seventh seal, it's going to open up and there's going to drop down seven trumpet judgments. And then we'll see in that seventh trumpet that it's going to drop out again. There's going to be seven bull judgments. And so all these things are judgments um, to the earth and pointed towards those who have rejected God's gift, his one and only son. It's an amazing story. The, whole, the Old Testament completely points to Jesus Christ. He was the sacrificial lamb that God provided to remove the penalty, the debt that we owe for the sin that we have committed. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says the wage of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so this life is offered in his name been offered in his name now for 2,000 years. The church is now his holy priesthood. It is our job to take this message to the world, to lost people, and share the urgency that there is to meeting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the urgency is because he's laid out what's going to happen when he removes the church from this earth and begins his judgment on earth and all unbelievers. Remember, there are many people today who know about Jesus. Uh, there's many people today who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, there's many people today who understand and know that he is God's Son who was crucified. But for whatever reason, and there are many, they never have asked him to be Lord of their life. And so God is going to judge them. And so it starts off here with the seven seals. Remember we, we looked at it, seal one was a white horse. And we know that that's the Antichrist coming. He's going to be the world leader, the world ruler. He's going to have all the answers. He's going to appease them by talk and not by necessarily uh, arms and war. Remember he came with a bow. He had no arrows. Uh, scripture tells us that he's a, a great speaker. 
Uh, so this white horse begins. So the, the seven-year tribulation begins with a one-world ruler who's claiming, he's going to eventually claim that you worship him. Seal 2 um, was the red horse, and that horse had to power to create war. So remember, the first horse came and offered a false peace. The second horse is going to come, and there's going to be war. And there's going to be war uh, worldwide. It's, it's just going to happen. Verse, uh, verse 5 there in Seal 3 uh, says there's a black horse. And the black horse has the uh, ability to bring worldwide famine. So there'd be a great shortage of food. And uh, then the seal four was a, a pale horse. And that horse has the power to kill one quarter of the earth with sword and famine and pestilence and wild beasts. Remember, I, I kind of gave you a number. It's just short of two million people uh, that this seal uh, possibly has the ability to kill. And remember, I, I, that's, that two, two million people is, is just an estimate. It's not a, it's not a number. Uh, it's just looking at the population of the world today. And if you take one quarter of it, of course, we know that the church is going to be removed. Uh, but that's going to be about you know, 1,950,000 people, give or take. But the point is, is there's going to be a lot of people who die. Okay? Then when the fifth seal comes, uh, there's a break. And, and I really like this, as, I, as, I, as you get to study Scripture, you constantly see this thing. In Scripture, over and over and over, God is pronouncing his judgment, and God at the same time is pronouncing his grace. It is never just doom and gloom. He always gives us a hope. And, and listen, it, the hope today is Jesus Christ. There is no other hope apart from him. And so we still have this hope, but this, this fifth seal says John is given a vision in heaven. And he sees the people at the altar in heaven, dressed in white robes. These people were martyred for their faith in Christ, and they're witnessing about him. It says that they cried out, how long? And they're crying out to God in heaven. They're crying out and they're saying, how long before you avenge our blood? And look what the Lord says. The Lord says, just wait until the number of people who is martyred like you is to come in. The seven-year period, there's going to be many, 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 many people except Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They're going to have to die for their faith. They will die a martyred life. Church, I really believe that we, we take it for granted today the great freedoms that we have. We're looking at this, um, this virus that's affecting us right now and the inconvenience that it has given us, but we still have tremendous great freedoms. There are uh, people in the world today, just every time there's something tragic that happens, 9-11, there were a lot of people asking questions. With this virus, there's a lot of people asking questions. It is amazing to me, though, that nobody, nobody talks about the fact this person has just died, and now what? Now where are they? See, it's like, it's like death is the end. And that's what the world wants to produce to people. Let them just think the death is the end. But what we know as a church is that the death of a human being is the beginning. It's the beginning of eternal life. 
It's either a beginning of eternal life of a place called paradise or it's the beginning of an eternal life in a place called judgment. It's one or the other. There is no in-between. And it, and it has to be settled here. It can't be settled after you die. That, this is simply what Scripture says. <laughs> so, these things are happening. Remember, we're talking about a seven-year period. We know that Scripture, Daniel broke it up into three and a half years. We're going to see Revelation is going to clearly break it up into three and a half years. So there's a three and a half year period of, of it being better than the last three and a half years. But even in that first three and a half years, there's going to be many people. Remember, Satan is the prince of the air. The Antichrist has come. And they are ruling. And they are giving the authority to to wipe out Christianity. Isn't it amazing today? We're seeing just again a small glimpse. Even here in the United States, uh, we're seeing rioters burn Bibles. Have you ever thought, why Bibles? Why not? They're complaining right now about history. Why didn't they pour out a, a great big box of history books and burn them? No, they chose Bibles. You see, Satan is the prince of the air. And he is leading. Uh, listen, as a human being, you are either under the sway of God because you belong to him, or you are under the sway of Satan because you belong to him. See, there's a, a good news about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because you then can no longer be under the sway. I'm saying what I'm saying is that Satan cannot enter you, cannot touch you. Now, he can, he can put things here on the outside to entice you, but he cannot control you. But if you do not have the living spirit living inside of you, which is what God has promised, and we're going to look at that a little bit later today too, you have no ability to stop Satan from motivating you to do things. Remember I, I said before, you don't train a child to do bad things. They naturally do them. Why? Because they're born a sinner. You train a child to do good things. Why? Because it's not natural in us. So we have something that's controlling us from the beginning uh, of our lives and it's a spirit of disobedience. <clears throat> so we see this preview. We see that uh, these this, the seven sealed scroll is unrolling. Seal one, seal two, seal three, seal four. And we just seen seal five. And then in verse uh, 12, there's seal six. It says this, John sees a great earthquake. The sun becomes black. The full moon becomes like blood. Stars of the sky, people on the earth, kings, uh, generals, rich, powerful, everyone described as slave and free, hid themselves from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And the people cry out, for the great day of the wrath has come and who can stand? The world knows who is sending these things to happen. And, and remember, uh, we got seven seals, we got seven trumpets, we got seven bulls. And the bulls and the trumpets are going to happen pretty fast. The bulls are, are really fast. Uh, there's, there's not years involved in those bulls. There is just months at best, uh, at best with those judgments. In chapter 7, uh, John is given a vision of an angel, uh, uh, of angels about to harm the earth. 
and, and the fact that God is sealing 144,000 Jews to be his witnesses on the earth. <clears throat> John uh, sees a great multitude of people before the throne, before the Lamb. They're clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to the Lamb. And then John sees worship, and we talk about it. There's going to be a time when we are really going to get to worship, and I believe in our hearts that we are going to worship. It's going to be a deep-felt gratitude of all that God has spared us from. Listen, these people say, how long before you avenge our blood? They somehow know what's happening here on earth. They can't affect it, but they know. Can you imagine knowing what's happening on earth and, and you're seeing all this carnage and you can just be nothing but thankful that God chose you before the foundation of the world to belong to him, to belong to his son, to be called the church. John sees these worshipers and John is asked, who are these people? And from where did they come? And he replies back to the angel. He says, sir, you know. He says, these have come out of the great tribulation. He is told that they will never hunger, that they will never thirst anymore, and there will be no more tears because the Lamb will provide for them. You see, the church understands today that the Lamb is providing for us every day. He gives us a peace. Remember, we've talked about he's given us a spirit of love and not a spirit of fear. We do not have to fear the virus. We do not have to fear our government. We do not have to fear. That's just a personality that God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit that we don't have to be there. But we, we talked about this in another sermon. You have to feed that spirit inside of you in order for it to be strong. And the way you feed it is through prayer, reading, and fellowship with the church. With prayer this relationship between you and God, one-on-one, -on -one, with reading the Word of God. This is the Word of God that He has given to us that we can understand and know Him. All right? So He writes it for us. And then He has given us fellowship with other believers. Listen, it's important for us to also understand is that we have fellowship with the world. Not in the way the world does it, but we have to be in the world and share what we know about the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. We are the voices. We are the high priest. We are the ones to call these people to miss these judgments that God has. So in Revelation 8.1, the seventh seal is opened. And remember I told you, when it comes to the seventh seal... It's just going to kind of come out here and it's going to drop down seven trumpets. So you got seven seals, seven trumpets. And the trumpets are all judgments too, all right? <clears throat> and, and so it says that when the seventh seal is open, remember we were just talking about it, what's happening in heaven? There's worship, there's worship, there's worship. And when this seventh seal is blown, Scripture tells us that all of a sudden everything in heaven stops for about 30 minutes. The awe. The awe of the trumpet judgments that God is about to begin. In verses 2 to 5 it says, Then the angel, uh, then I saw an angel who uh, stood, stand before God. 
and seven trumpets were given them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with golden senses and, and was given much incense of the prayers of the saints. Now I want you to think about what was the prayers of the saints. Remember, he told us here just a little bit ago. They were praying to God saying, how long before you avenge our blood? And he says, well, just wait a little longer. There's more of you to come in just as you've come in. And I'm going to take care of this, all right? I'm going to judge them. But you just wait. And really, he's saying, you just rest. And so these prayers of these saints have been gathered together, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God for the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were peals of thunders and rumblings and flashings of light. So we see it here in 8, chapter 8. We see the seven trumpets. And we've talked about them. I just want to remind you again. Trumpet one. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and those were thrown upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. This is a judgmental man, even though it attacks the earth. <clears throat> Verse 8, trumpet 2. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was sown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. Verse 10 of chapter 8, trumpet 3. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star from heaven, blazing with like a torch, it fell on a third of the rivers and springs of the water, and many died from it. And so he's, he's attacked the land, he's attacked the sea, and now he's attacked the fresh water. We take it for granted that we just get fresh water in Ohio, mostly in the United States, anytime we need it, anytime we want it. Verse 12, trumpet 4. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, to the third of the light might not be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And we talked about we really can't even begin to understand what this means. A third of the day is taken away. A third of the night is taken away. The calendar that we normally run off of has just been upset and completely changed. Verse 13 takes us back to heaven. Remember I, I said as you read the book of Revelation, you've got to realize uh, John has a vision. There's vision of things happening on earth. There's visions of things happening in heaven. And this, you know, this, this, this um, fourth trumpet blows and uh, all of a sudden, there is um, this vision of an eagle flying. And this eagle was flying, and it was repeating, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth of the trumpets that are about to be blown. Can you imagine? Whoa. Uh, that's really not a word we use in disobedience today. Probably wouldn't be a bad word to use sometimes with your children. Just go, whoa, <laughs> you've crossed that line. Here God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Trumpet five. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now remember we talked about this. This is Satan who is given the key to the bottomless pit, and he is going down, and he is going to release 
all demons that God has put into a prison, if you will, from whenever he put them in there. We know we've seen Christ when he was ministering on the earth those three years, constantly, constantly removing demons from people, and he was casting them into a place of, of a tank, if you will, or uh, a jail, if you will, or a prison, if you will. But there's a place here where these demons have been held, and they've been held back for, from really the church. Uh, and I understand there are some demons out there, but there's not near as many out there as there will be. Notice it says here that these, uh, these demons uh, are allowed, allowed to come out and torment men for five months. It says that they have a, a, a tail on them that has a, a sting like a scorpion. And they can't kill them. And, and by the way, they can't touch those that God has, has sealed and saved. But they can touch anybody that does not belong to Christ. And here's God using demons to judge mankind. And so he sends this out and he allows them this five months of just torture. Verse 12, or the, yeah, verse 12 says, The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. Verse 13, trumpet 6. Then an angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice of the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. For the four angels have been prepared. Now, I want you to listen to this. I ask you, why wait? And I told you that God has a plan. Listen to this. Who has been prepared for the hour, for the day, for the month, and the year. This time is already set. We cannot change it. We have no power of that. We, all we can do today is <clears throat> live and give glory to Christ with how we live and tell other people about Jesus Christ, that he's the Lamb of God, who wants to take away their sin debt, who wants to give them a new life and wants to give it to them in Christ. The four angels who prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year was released to kill a third of mankind. Can you imagine? Remember, we've already seen a quarter there was a quarter, and now in, in, and that was in the seals. We've seen a quarter, and now in the trumpets, we see what? We see a third. Now listen, when we, we get to the seals, you know what we're going to see? A hole. It's no longer a quarter, no longer a third. It's going to be a hole. The whole earth. So we ended last week with trumpet six. And John gets a reprieve, a rest. Remember, he's writing this, and, and I believe he understands it to the best that he can. But it comes to chapter 11. <clears throat> Actually, chapter 10. where John has a reprieve. Now, this reprieve runs from 
chapter 10, verse 1, to chapter 11, verse 14. And, and the vision now moves from everything that's happening on the earth to what's happening in heaven with the vision that John has given. And so let me start off here with chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says this, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. Now, I wanted to stop there with verse 1 because... I, you're going to see a description here of this angel. It, it's going to be a mighty angel. But you, you need to really understand the fact that it is an angel. Uh, this is not Jesus Christ. And, and how we know that is because of the word another. Uh, there it says, then I saw another. Th that word another is the, the word alios. Uh, which means exactly alike. And so it's been talking about these angels that have been uh, you know, pouring out the seals and blowing the trumpets. And so this another is just another angel. All right? And it's very, we can kind of get a, a just that. In, in John chapter 14, verse 16, uh, John is writing and he talks about Jesus is actually speaking here, and he says, I need to go away, and if I go away, the Father will send another to, to minister to you. And we know that another here is the Holy Spirit of God. And the word is alios, which means exactly the same. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples, it's important that I go away, because when the Holy Spirit comes, and another, just like me, he's going to live inside of you. He's going to reveal to you the truth from the word of God. He's going to convict you of sin. And he's the seal in your life for eternal life. When, when God looks down, he's not looking down to see if you are a sinner. He's looking down to see if you have the seal of the living God living inside of you. That means he owns you. That means you have accepted his free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to here in chapter 10, this word another at the very beginning is very important for you and I to understand that this is just another angel. Now this is an extraordinary angel. This is a mighty angel and we're going to see that. But this is an angel. It is not our Savior Christ. So here's what it says. Then I saw an angel. A mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with rainbow over his head, and his face is like the sun, his legs like a pillar of fire. And he had a little scroll. Now, we've been just talking about the scroll, right? <laughs> There's a seven-sealed scroll written front and back. It's a title deed of the earth. And this is exactly what the angel is representing here. This is not the scroll, but this is a symbolical scroll that is the same thing as a title deed of the earth. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now remember, I just said, the, the purpose of a scroll, this seven-sealed scroll, is that it's a deed. Uh, Satan right now is the poster who is claiming to have ownership of the earth. But there's coming a time where Christ is going to come back. And, and what we're seeing here as we get to this, this last trumpet, what we're seeing here is that Christ is about to reign. He's about to come back. And so the angel is representing the fact he puts one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth. He is owner of the earth and the sea. And called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. 
when he had called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was to, about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And remember, this is exactly what John was told when this thing all started. He says, I'm going to, I'm, I called John up, he called John up into heaven, and he says, I'm going to give you a vision, and I want you to write it down. And, and so John's been writing it down. And so he sees this, and he, remember, he, his goal here is to be writing down everything that God is showing him. And so he starts to write down, and God says, no, don't, don't, don't write that. Don't write that. Now, I don't know about you, I kind of wonder what, what they said that was so important that God said, no, don't write it. But let me remind you something. In Job 37.5, it says this. God thunders, isn't that what we just read? God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. Do you know that God has not made us to comprehend and understand everything? Everything that he does. And, and really, I, that's relieving to me that I can't, as a human being, figure out God, who is God, who spoke everything into existence. It is hard for me to understand why did he use his son, his only son, to die on a cross to pay my sin debt? Isn't there an easier way to pay the debt? Couldn't he just said, paid? You see, he has a plan, and there's so many things that God does that we can't understand. And listen, we deal with that with our life. We, we go, why, Lord, am I going through this? Lord, why is this family going through this? You see, it's not necessarily meant for us to understand as much as it's meant for us to trust the one who's in control. Why wait for Jesus? He's in control. You got an election coming up. Vote your heart. Vote from the word of God. But go vote. But listen, if the vote doesn't turn out like you and I wanted it, it's God's plan. He has a plan. And, and I'm okay. I mean, I have a preference, but I'm okay with whoever is president of the United States because God is in control. And he doesn't want you to fear that. He doesn't want you to be anxious about that. He wants you to trust him. And so there's some things here that John is seeing, and, and, and it may just be that we can't quite understand it. Seal up the seven thunders, he said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever and created heaven. And what is in it? The earth and what is in it? The sea and what is in it? Now listen here, listen to what it says here. There would be no more delay. There would be no more delay. The sixth angel has blew his trumpet. The seventh angel is about to blow his trumpet. God is coming down. God is going to claim ownership of the world right now, and there's not going to be a delay. What is about to happen? These last seven seals, as this seventh trumpet blows, we'll see that. And by the way, we don't even get to the seals until chapter 16 of Revelation. There is all of a sudden this huge paragraph that just breaks down all the things that God is doing and preparing. And these things are not running chronologically. You'll, you'll see that. I hope you'll see that. 
But he says here, there will be no more delay. You, you and I have to understand that there's, we, we are waiting for Jesus to come back. But one day, there will be no more delay. He'll be here. We'll be gone. We'll be with him. We'll be celebrating. We'll be worshiping. We'll be having a wedding feast while literally on earth, all hell is breaking loose. Satan's attacking with great free reign, with whole armies with him. God is attacking because he is judging mankind who has not accepted his free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. There will be no more delay. But then in those days of the trumpet call by the sound of the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. The mystery, God has always had mysteries. Remember in the Old Testament, they could not see the church. It wasn't until the church age began that all of a sudden Paul starts saying, John starts saying, I have a mystery to tell you. Never known before. Mystery. God has mysteries. There's things that he's in control of that are going to happen. And he says here, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. Listen, there is a time coming when God is going to judge mankind. It's going to take a seven-year period, not because it needs to take a seven-year period. It's what God has chosen to use, a seven-year period. God could do it in an instant. But you see, he has a plan. Our God is in control. The Bible tells us that the kings are his servants. Whatever president is up there in the United States and whatever king and president in other countries, you need to understand, they may think they're in control, but it is God who is in control. You and I do not have to worry. We just simply have to have faith, trust, and fall in his arms and not be anxious, and not be afraid. Remember what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The worst thing that can happen to you according to the earth, remember I said all these people are dying, but nobody's saying, now what? God says if you belong to him, you're in his presence. Remember, no more hunger, no more thirst, a new body. Uh, no more sin, no more presence of sin, no more mindset of sin, just perfect righteousness. There's a mystery of God. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, then the voice that I had heard from, uh, from heaven spoke to me again saying, go, take the scroll that is open in, in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and the land. And remember, this is, this is a mighty big angel. If he can stand on the sea and stand on the land. And he has this little scroll. And then John is given this command to go eat it. Remember what I just read to you from Job. There's some things we just are not going to comprehend. But here's what it says. So I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from his hand of the angel and I ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it in my stomach, it was made bitter. And I was told, 
Now catch this. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and language and kings. John is again told, you're going to write this, you need to go back, you need to tell this. And by the way, he's on the island of Patmos. He's not even going to be able to go back and preach this. He can preach this to the people that are there. But listen, he's going to write it. Can you imagine? John is is exiled to an island in the middle of an ocean because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. God gives him a vision on this island to write for you and I some 2,000 years later that we call the book of Revelation that is an uncovering. And by the way, John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. He wrote all these books, and we get them, and God has preserved them. How does God take a book that a man writes on an island because he's there prison and can't get but yet the word got from John to the to the shores was sealed and kept and passed on and here today 2,000 years later we can read it and the 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 command then was go and tell people you see it is people who are going to be affected by these judgments. Of course the world is too. Our world is obsessed with animals. With dogs. You, you see those commercials where they play this real somber music and show you this dog that's real sad and if you'll just give some money this dog will be happy. What I'm saying is, is the world, the world is trying to distract you by, by making you think more about animals maybe than you do people. Save the whales. Save the birds, save the eagles. Listen, there's a time coming that God is going to judge man because they rejected his free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And John is giving here, and so he says, he says, it, it's sweet. You know what is sweet? You know what is sweet about all this? Remember the, 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 the martyrs under the altar? It's sweet for them. It's sweet for them to have obtained salvation through Jesus Christ, being clothed in a robe, no more hunger, no more thirst, no more tears. It's sweet for them. But you remember what their cry was? How long before you avenge our blood? You know what the bitterness is? Is the judgment of God on man. It is sickening to our stomach. When we think about it, it is disheartening to us. The gospel to those who have received it is sweet. But when we read what God is going to do in the judgment, it can become sour in our stomach. <sighs> the bitterness is the price that sinners will pay because of their unbelief and disobedience. Remember chapter 7, or I mean chapter 11, 
Just look at that. I said the first 14 verses um, is, is still this interlude before the seventh trumpet is introduced. John is given this vision and he says this, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar of those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave it out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. 42 months. 42 months. And he says it again. And I will grant authority to, to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. 42 months, 1,260 days. You know what those represent? Three and a half years. And remember, we are right at trumpet seven. And this, there is literally days left. But God is going back and he's giving us more information. That's what he's going to do here in the next few chapters. He's going to give us more information about what's going to happen. He says here, I will, uh, I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. Now, who are these two witnesses? Scripture tells us we're going to read a little bit about them here before we close out today. But God has, God has already sealed 144,000. He has put a seal on them that, that the things that he does from heaven does not affect them. And there's no way that Satan can affect them. He is protecting them. And they are protected. But now he's adding here two more witnesses. And these are going to be mighty witnesses. And they're going to come and they're going to preach. But now listen, these aren't going to be the everyday normal witnesses. Look at verse 4. These are two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, catch this. Here you have two witnesses. They're going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if anybody wants to harm them, listen, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. Three and a half years. We're, we're already, if we're on our timeline, the seals, the trumpets, we're getting our, the, the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls, we're really right at the end of the seven-year period of time. But God is coming back now, and he's giving John more information. And the information is 144,000 sealed that are going to preach. But now he brings out these two special preachers, and they have the ability that nobody can harm them. And if they seek to harm them, these two can consume them. Look at verse 6. They have the power to shut up the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. Here are the two most mightiest men ever on earth, ever apart from Jesus Christ. But yet they're coming with the revealing of Jesus Christ in his judgment. Verse 7, and when they had finished their testimony, three and a half years just went past, just like that. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast, 
that rise from the bottomless pit. Who's that? That's Satan. Will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, the great city, Jerusalem. Symbolically, it's called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because the two prophets had been a torment to them who dwell on the earth. Verse 11. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet. A great fear fell on those who saw them, and then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in the cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at the hour, there was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Look at verse 14. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is to come. And the third woe is the seventh trumpet, which is going to drop out seven bulls. So, I want to stop right there. I want to... Uh, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about these two witnesses. I read, um, I was reading a commentary that John MacArthur wrote uh, about these two witnesses, and he put a little blip in there. You and I, uh, we live in this age um, of our cell phones. They're called smartphones, right? And uh, we can see information. Uh, on, my, on your cell phone, my cell phone, we can, um, we can see things that are happening throughout the world. We, we just seen over in Beirut this great explosion at that fertilizer place, right? We just saw that. Now I want you to think about it. John MacArthur writes this and he says, Can you imagine the headline news? There are, there are two prophets who are just tormenting the world and they're devastating and they're killing people anytime they want and there's nothing we can do about it. Then there's a newscast that says, headline news, two prophets killed. They thought they were invincible, but Satan has overcome them and conquered them. They have died in the street and we're just going to leave them lay there and we are going to celebrate and have parties and have presents. Three and a half days later, God gives them breath. They raise from their dead lives and go back to heaven. Can you imagine 
the headlines. It says that people are watching from all languages. It only makes sense with the ability that we have with smartphones today that this could even happen. Just 30 years ago, we couldn't even visualize how this could happen. How can the world see? Listen, we can see. Church, as we close today, I want to encourage you. God has not given you these words to make you anxious or to make you afraid. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you should be afraid. You can see what's coming. But he's given you these words to encourage you to be his priest. He's given you these words to share. Listen, there's, there's a sweet thing called Jesus Christ. And there's a bitter thing called his judgment. And you are going to have to deal with one or the other. You're going to have to accept him as Lord and Savior. And miss the judgment. Remember what Hebrews says. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. What a beautiful word for us as a church. But church, we know the truth. Truth is, judgment is coming. And it is going to be terrible. And it's going to be devastating. And it's going to be bitter. The sweet news is, many, many, many are going to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But they're going to die for their faith. They're going to have to die. We're going to pick up next week with the uh, chapter 11, <clears throat> starting in verse 15 with the seventh trumpet. And by the way, the seventh trumpet just opens up seven bowls of God's wrath. And these bowls happen one after another. Like I said, there's days left. Jesus is coming back. He's claimed ownership. He's cleared to stay. And he's going to rule. Church. Go tell about the bitterness. You see, it's really easy for us to tell about the sweet. The Bible says fear is wisdom that brings you to the Lord. Fear is the beginning of the wisdom that brings you to the Lord. Fear. Listen, we can preach how God changes our lives. But we also need to be complete and preach the judgment of God is coming. And it's devastating. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to read it. We thank you that you have given us the ability to understand it. You have said in the beginning and the end of this book that we are blessed if we read it and take heed to it. Lord, it is the uncovering of the Lamb of God in a way that we have never seen him. We've seen the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of his death, or of his life and his death, his burial and his resurrection. And we've seen his grace and his mercy and how he held back his judgment. But Lord, you are God and you have set a time. Help us as a church to find motivation to tell people about Jesus Christ. For their good, for your glory, there is salvation in Jesus alone. Heaven is not behind number one, door number three. Heaven is behind Jesus Christ. There is no other avenue. And so, Lord, may, us be, may we be bold. May we have confidence. 
And may we share because of the bitterness in our stomachs of the judgment that's to come. Use us this week, Lord, however you see fit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day. Have a great week. Go tell somebody about the sweetness. Remind them about the bitterness. Go and tell. Thank you.